0: so continuing the thread of the Satipatthana Sutta, we've been exploring kind of in depth over the last number of weeks within the third foundation of mindfulness, the exploration around recognizing the presence and absence of delusion there was some interest in doing a deeper dive in that particular area. So we took some time and paused and reflected on that from a number of different perspectives. But uh, at this point, I'm going to set that aside and continue with the third foundation of mindfulness to, um, to explore the the second half of the third foundation of mindfulness. The third foundation of mindfulness, just to kind of remind you is a, uh, um, A set of teaching instructions on noticing how the state of the mind. So the first part of the of the um, sutta says, and I'll I'll bring out the sutta and read sections of it for you. So the um, the basic instruction is to contemplate mind as mind, and how does one do that? understanding in the first half it's understanding a mind affected by greed aversion delusion or unaffected by greed aversion and delusion and then also um, uh, recognizing whether the mind is contracted or distracted so that this aspect this first half of recognizing or being aware of the uh, qualities of the mind it really is an encouragement to notice the state of the mind how is the mind in relationship to experience this first half of the of the sutta is bhikkhu uh, analia says this first half kind of points to ordinary uh states of mind you know greed aversion delusion contracted distracted these are these are kind of ordinary um, qualities that tend to function in our minds and so noticing the presence of those from the perspective of a mindfulness that is just curious about the kind of mindfulness i was pointing to in the in the guided uh practice the the naturalist just curious oh anger is appearing what is that like you know what is that experience like as opposed to anger and being involved with it you know kind of following the anger or um, uh, allowing it to influence how we respond to the world in um, the exploration of being aware of um, the quality of anger in the mind, is to understand this is the mind that's affected by anger, and knowing that we may be able to kind of temper the influence of anger on our actions, on our on our um, on what follows, on the the way the mind is further shaped. So this first part is looking at these more ordinary qualities of mind, recognizing when they're there and when they're not there. So that's kind of the area that we've been exploring over the last number of weeks. And the second half of the um, sutta explores what Biku and Alio calls higher mind states. Um, this is um, the the words that are used here are not ones that we typically use in our daily engagement. They may not be states that we're familiar with, so I'm just going to read this section and then we'll talk a little bit about maybe what these words mean because actually there's not a lot of clarity in all the different um, commentaries a lot of not a lot of agreement let's say uh, in all the different commentaries about what these words actually mean. so the um, uh, This is the second half of understanding, contemplating mind as mind or observing uh, mind as mind. One understands exalted mind as exalted mind and unexalted mind as unexalted mind. One understands surpassed mind or surpassable as one translation. Surpassable mind is surpassable and unsurpassable mind is unsurpassable. One understands concentrated mind as concentrated and unconcentrated mind is unconcentrated. One understands liberated mind as liberated and unliberated mind as unliberated. So those words are kind of when I first read this, it's like, okay, I don't have any idea what that means. <laughs> um, but the um, you know the commentary is basically in in the whole. Um, say, kind of point to these um, as connected to the deepening of our meditation practice. So just as a whole, they refer to kind of the states of mind that we can begin to touch into as the mind settles and as the mind becomes free of greed, aversion, and delusion, free of being contracted or distracted. So as the mind kind of goes through that first the exploration of the first part of the um, third foundation, noticing greed, aversion, delusion present in the mind, we then start to recognize their absence. And in their absence, we begin to recognize some um, qualities of the mind that um, is being shaped by the practice of meditation. So there's general agreement that these the second part of the third foundation is kind of an encouragement to be aware of what's happening as we're meditating you know what is the what are the qualities that are being shaped as we're meditating and in in many of the commentaries they also point to particularly aspects of concentration the the steadiness the stability of mind just taking a moment to talk a little bit about what concentration is. Um, So um, concentration in the uh, Buddhist teaching has two kind of um, expressions. One is the expression of um, absorption, often called jhana in the the suttas they talk about jhana meditation which is usually a focused kind of practice where we aim our attention at one particular object and through that aiming at one particular object it's like paying attention to the breath and when uh, something other than the breath comes you kind of say okay yeah not now not going to be with that just staying with the breath and so the more we Uh, incline our attention towards one particular experience the more that uh, experience becomes kind of the gravitational force for the awareness and at certain points the mind can kind of absorb into that experience and it becomes kind of more fully what the, the awareness is taking up as an experience and other experience really recedes there are different um, depths of that experience. Sometimes it can kind of feel like you're surrounded by cotton balls, you know, that there's a real subtleness with that experience, perhaps of the breathing. and Well, there's experience, perhaps of other things happening around you, if they're not impacting you, that's like very soft, the, like, like, you're really surrounded by um, cotton balls, and nothing is striking you very strongly. A deeper levels of concentration those experiences outside of that object outside of that particular experience can disappear entirely that's a deep absorption practice Um, so the the we'll talk more about concentration as we in the exploration of the eightfold path which is essentially what this whole you know arc of the teaching has been over the last Pretty much 18 months or so I've been talking about starting with the four foundation, the four noble truths and the eightfold path. So we're following the eightfold path, wise mindfulness, where we are and diving into that with this third foundation. The following, um, aspect of the path after wise mindfulness is wise concentration. So we'll, co- we'll cover concentration in more detail some, some weeks from now, some, maybe even months from now, um, because we still have the fourth foundation to go through the fourth foundation of mindfulness. So the, um, there's this real strong kind of absorption concentration. Um, and the third foundation is pointing to some extent to um, you know recognizing the qualities within concentration, what's happening as the mind is concentrated. There's another form of concentration though that this also may point to, and that's what's called moment to moment concentration. A moment-to-moment concentration is not an absorption concentration. It's not a place where the mind just stays focused on one particular experience. It's a kind of concentration where the awareness is steady. The mindfulness is not being pulled or caught into any kind of reactivity. But the objects, the experiences that that awareness is receiving continually change. So this is more... In the realm of the kind of concentration that can happen in our daily lives where the mind is more um, settled in terms of not getting pulled into reactivity there's a strong equanimity a strong sense of um, not being um, disturbed by what's happening but there's also the recognition of rapidly changing experience you know that that the um Experience may for a few moments be with seeing and then with hearing, then with body sensations, then with thoughts, then with um mind states. And so this kind of concentration that might not be what we think of as concentration, because we often think in concentration it means everything gets really quiet. But in this case, concentration is a kind of a quietude of awareness, but the experience is not quiet. So both are referred to as concentration in the in the in The, suttas. the uh, commentaries give the the name of momentary concentration to that second form of of concentration. So these various um, these various um, pairs of mind states, great and narrow, or exalted and unexalted, is the first one in the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation. Um, The commentaries point to the great or the exalted as being that absorption concentration. That kind of place where the mind is really just fully in a particular experience. And the narrow um, or the unexalted as being ordinary awareness. So that there's a a kind of a a shift of, of the awareness as it enters into that absorption. Um, So the the kind of just the distinction of knowing and this again, this is this is the pointing in this sutta, just be aware of when the mind is in the state of concentration or absorption, and when it is um, in an ordinary uh, kind of mind state. So right now, you know, we can all be recognizing in this aspect this is ordinary sense consciousness you know this is this is what's happening in the moment and very very unlikely any of you are in absorption right now but we can be recognizing this is ordinary sense consciousness this unexalted um or narrow um mind narrow mind state or unexalted mind state so it's important i think to recognize i said this weeks ago when we first started the Discussion of the third foundation, that the encouragement throughout the the entire teaching of four foundations of mindfulness is to um, just be aware of what's arising, without any judgment about it, without trying to change it or fix it. The instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta do not offer antidotes; they offer being aware of what's arising. There are other places for the antidotes to come in, and the you know when we can't simply be aware of what's arising as what's arising, there can be places and times to bring the antidotes in. I mentioned that in the guided meditation. If the mind is not able to just know what's arising, if it's getting pulled into a reactivity, then that um, uh, that may be a time for bringing a. A kind of a tool or an antidote into the mix for our practice but the four foundations of mindfulness are really pointing to this possibility of being aware of whatever's arising so the first part of that third foundation be aware of when aversion is present be aware when aversion is absent recognizing the mind afflicted by aversion is a mind afflicted by aversion it's not saying Be aware of the mind afflicted by aversion and beat yourself up about it or try to change it or fix it. Just be aware of it. And likewise with these um, higher mind states, it's just to recognize what is the state that's there. Is it this absorption kind of consciousness or is it a normal kind of awareness? No judgment. It's just this is what's happening. That's what I pointed to right at the very beginning of the, of the guided meditation. Just like, what's here? What's obviously here? And as we um, open to that, we'll begin to see that it's some aspect of our body and mind experience. Sometimes what's obvious is a body sensation. Sometimes what's obvious is something going on in our minds. So the Four foundations of mindfulness can really be thought of as a kind of a description of things that might be noticed and noticing them in this non-reactive, non-judgmental way. Oh, this is what's happening right now. So the exalted or unexalted state of mind. The second um, pair is surpassable or unsurpassable. And again, this is different different ways. this is talked about sometimes talking about it in terms of concentration. Um, and there's a, a description in concentration as you shift from one level of concentration to another. They're different they're descriptions in the um, in the suttas around the, the activities of mind that the qualities of the mind that are putting together particular, states of concentration and there's different depths of concentration they're called first jhana second jhana third jhana fourth jhana and successively deeper and the description of each of those is that within each one there is a set of factors that come together to put the state together certain qualities of mind that that kind of collect the mind together we'll get into this more in the description of concentration too, but just for right now. So there's there's a set of five qualities that come together to put together the the first jhana. And as as the mind kind of attunes to that state, the description in the suttas is as the mind attunes to that state and begins to recognize what's going on there, aware of the state itself. And that's what the sutta is talking about, you know, being aware of the state itself. So aware of the state of concentration, aware that there's some activity of mind going on in there. Some of those qualities of mind have a little bit more active quality than the others. And so the, the um, um the entry into the next level of jhana, it like it releases some of those qualities, the some of the, the factors that go into put it together are let go of. And the mind deepens into a quieter state because there's less kind of activity going on. So that's, that's a, a kind of a very broad brush description of the shift from one state of concentration to another. With each state, there's something else that's released. So this uh, description of surpassable and unsurpassable um, kind of points to, uh, potentially points to, recognizing in each state like in that first state of of jhana where there's five qualities that come together that this state can be surpassed through the release the letting go of some of the qualities that are a little more disturb disturbing or agitating in the mind so it's surpassable that that state of concentration is surpassable by the second which has less uh, agitating qualities to it so that's one way of understanding the surpassable and unsurpassable another way is just to think of it more generally in terms of um, as we meditate this is this has been very alive in my own practice this way of exploring this quality of, of uh, the third foundation as we practice we see that there's certain things that go on and some of those can be ordinary, you know, activities of mind, you know, it might be it might be a reactivity uh, or some just subtle disturbance in the mind, some kind of holding on to something. It doesn't even have to be as as big as aversion or greed. It can just be a little bit of um, a thinking quality or a, just some kind of subtle disturbance in the mind. And as the, as the awareness is just aware of, oh, that's what's happening. There's a, there's a little bit of disturbance in the mind here, um, but it's actually let go of some other disturbances. There's one, there's one teaching that I, um, I like that kind of talks about this. It's like when you go to meditation, you go into a meditation environment, um, just be aware as you go into that meditation environment, what is absent from that? meditation environment and he encourages people you know to, in coming to the forest um, as you meditate as you you come to a like the retreat center you come to the forest to meditate and that place or that experience is absent the disturbance of all of the um, um, busyness of the town all the people in the town so there's just through coming to the meditation center, there's there's a release from some kind of disturbances. And he encourages us to recognize that, that this place is absent those disturbances. And so that in a way is is kind of looking at this this state here, this place, this, this experience of having released some disturbances this is a this is a, this is more we have we have surpassed some of the disturbances or or let go of some of the disturbances from the prior state. It's not completely unsurpassable yet, but it's it's more it's 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 more released than the previous state. And the sutta keeps talking about okay, so now that you're in this meditation center, noticing okay, well all of those disturbances have been released there's a kind of a little bit of settling that happens and there's a quietude that may begin to happen. And in that quietude, there's more possibility or availability for the mind to then become aware of subtler disturbance that's in that place. Maybe a little bit of thoughts that are coming up or um, in the sutta, it talks about there's the diversity of all the stuff in the forest and you know the mind can be a little bit agitated by that, and and there can be a little bit of settling to just just taking in the simpler quality of just yeah, there's there's earth in the forest. So the um, the uh, exploration so it it proceeds through in the sutta it proceeds through deeper and deeper kind of states of of concentration again. But in my own experience of exploring this, it hasn't it hasn't necessarily needed to go into particular states of concentration to have this understanding or this kind of staged release of disturbances. So the, there's, you know, just kind of aware to start of, yeah, here's the mind, it's, it's kind of busy right now. Okay, well, busyness is what's happening. There's, there's just a disturbance of busyness that's happening right now. And as the mind notices that, the disturbance of busyness begins to release. And then there's um, a little bit more quiet, and there's a place to recognize, okay, that has been surpassed. That that um, disturbance of busyness is no longer in the mind. There's something beautiful about recognizing that release. It's useful. It's... it's uh, it's akin to noticing the absence of aversion, the absence of greed, noticing that release. So noticing when that is absent and then in that place, the mind settles for a little while. And then there may be a subtler kind of, of of agitation that arises. For me, one of them was like looking or searching. What am I supposed to pay attention to now? A subtler form than a thinking about things, but just... Kind of a, a movement and a kind of subtle agitation of mind where, where am i what am i supposed to pay attention to and then noticing that aware of that again not to get rid of it not to fix it but just aware of that that can then begin to release we can begin to oh that that experience of searching is not here that has been surpassed so that that kind of exploration about what's here what's been released what maybe remains you know so in that place of oh they're searching oh this is this is this is this is still surpassable you know the the not needing to get to the to the letting go of it but you know kind of the recognition of oh yeah this is happening and this is surpassable this is—it's possible to release this. It may not release immediately, but there there can be the knowing what has been released and what remains to be released. This to me, this is maybe a place or a part of what this aspect of the uh, higher mind states points to. Again, looking at what's going on with respect to the meditation. This is the encouragement I think in this section of the third foundation what's happening as the mind explores being aware of what's present. A very natural part of that is that as we open to just whatever is arising, even opening to anger or aversion, the mind begins to release it. And so we can see that 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 experience of, of that release, that is the functioning of the mind that meditates. The third pair is concentrated or not concentrated. We talked a little bit about what concentration is, and so this one is a little simpler. It's just recognizing is the mind um, either in, in either of those forms of concentration I referred to before. And the basic um, place of concentration is the absence of the hindrances when the the qualities of concentration um, Sense desire, um, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and doubt are not present. The mind is not being pulled into the reactivity around what's happening in the world. And the mind can begin to settle. The mind can begin to settle into concentration. So this is um, again, a, no, a recognition. is the mind starting to settle into concentration as we're we're um, practicing? The fourth is the fourth pair is liberated or not liberated, and there's again some difference of opinion as to what this means. Some people say this means full liberation. Other people say no, it just means a temporary freedom from uh, from defilement, just a temporary release from greed, aversion, and delusion. And again, the recognition is the mind is liberated or not liberated, and. This, this really feels like it's a kind of the, the, the flip side of the first half of the sutta. The, the awareness of is aversion present or not? Is greed present or not? Is delusion present or not? When greed, aversion, and delusion are not present in a moment, there's a momentary freedom of mind that is this liberation. When Greed, aversion, and delusion are present, the mind is not free from that. And so the the um, this this fourth pair is pointing us again to recognize is the mind free from greed, aversion, and delusion. There's a slight distinction between, it's not even slight, it's uh but it, it may be somewhat confusing or not something that we might be aware of. The absence of the hindrances, its a that's a kind of um, the more obvious levels of greed, aversion, and delusion. The hindrances are the obvious levels of greed, aversion, and delusion. Even in states of concentration, there can be subtle greed in the mind. There can be very subtle not wanting something to be here. In the mind there can be this subtle mostly it's the greed that's pointed to um, but there can be the the desire for kind of non-existence you know the kind of movement towards don't want anything to be here um so the um the hindrances are the 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 grosser level of reactivity in the mind so that's the concentration state there can still be subtle like leaning towards the state of concentration itself when the mind is concentrated which is a a subtle form of greed so this liberated is free from even that those subtle leanings towards wanting desiring these um, these states of concentration so the the one of the important Overarching pieces of this second half of the of the third foundation is to be aware of these states of mind that happen within meditation. This is important because in in um, certain places in the sutras and certainly in the time of the Buddha, there were there were um, people that took the states of concentration as being the aim of the spiritual practice that this was that was what those teachers were going for to teach those deep states of concentration and in those deep states of concentration there's certainly a a, an experience that is quite refined and blissful perhaps you know so so there's 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 that experience that happens, but the Buddha discovered in his own practice that that was not answering his question of is it possible to be free of suffering? And as he um, explains or explores in his teachings, the um, the entry into those states of concentration, in coming out of those states of concentration, there's a very strong tendency to reify or um, create some kind of view that that was where it's at. that state of concentration that is. That's it. There's a particular teaching um, uh, in the Diginya, long discourses of the Buddha. the very first discourse in the Diginya points to, a set of views that get in the way of our mind fully uh, releasing greed aversion and delusion and out of those i think it's 62 views some like three two-thirds of them are described to be constructed when coming out of deep states of concentration So the Buddha is actually warning us, in a way, in many places, he warns us, you know, not to take these deep states of concentration, to reify them, to to make something out of them, to go for them as being the goal of the practice. Over and over again, he encourages us to notice, even in those deep states of concentration, even in the places where the mind feels very settled, He gives an instruction notice that this state is conditioned. Notice that it's impermanent. Notice that it is a state of mind that is uh, a phenomenon. And that's what this sutta is pointing to. Notice the states of mind that arise in our meditation, which includes the qualities that are beautiful, wholesome qualities equanimity, and concentration, and joy, and delight, noticing those as conditioned states of mind. They're not the point of practice. They, those two are simply arising and passing away. They are impermanent phenomenon. So that's, that's an important piece of this part of the sutta. It's so Tempting, and when we taste just little flavors of the mind that settles into non-reactivity, maybe it's in that place of of moment to moment concentration. Even just like, oh yeah, non-reactivity, we can create the the kind of idea that this is this is it. Like you know, we 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 reify, and then we search for that state again the buddha points us to simply recognizing what's here noticing that it's conditioned and the absence of the uh, the view that this is a thing or some place to look for or something to attain that absence is a support for our freedom and that's you know the delusion the delusion that oh there is something that i can land on something some place something The Buddha says, the absence of greed, aversion, and delusion, that's freedom. He doesn't point to the presence of anything. And over and over again, he points to not clinging to even wholesome states, not clinging to them as something to hold on to, but just aware that they are conditioned, also conditioned, unreliable phenomena. So well, that's probably enough there. Um, that was a lot, but um, curious if there's any comments or questions. If the only thing you get out of this is to be curious about what happens when you meditate, you know, be curious about the the mind that is doing this process of meditation. That's the main the main thing. And sometimes sometimes we. Um, we're more focused on what's happening, the objects of experience, but at times we can kind of step back and like, well, this is the mind that's knowing experience. And that can happen quite naturally. So any comments or questions? Yeah, Essie. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, I, I, um, this is the first time I've come to one of these, but I'm just wondering if you could define jhana. Yeah, um, hang on a second. Um, so jhana is a state of concentration, um, it is often referred to in the suttas in these four different stages. Um, And so it is essentially, um, you know, it's generally understood to be a kind of an absorption. So uh, there's a shift of mind that can happen when we're paying attention to one particular experience where the mind kind of shifts from kind of knowing that experience, being aware of it, um, into kind of a more kind of it's almost like the, the awareness goes inside of it and um, um, really absorbs into that experience. So there's a shift in the mind there. And there's different, there are different descriptions of that shift in certain, certain um, schemes of meditation and certain practices that absorption is so complete that mindfulness is not in there. Uh, certain teachers teach that kind of depth of of concentration, but there there's a lot of variety. Of one teacher talks about Analio talks about the um, the jhanas as being kind of like the deepening of a swimming pool. You can go into a state of concentration, and absorption, and you can either be in the shallow end of the pool, where you know your your head is above water and you're seeing other things going on. Or you're in the deep end of the pool where you're completely submerged in, the, in, the, um, in that experience. And so each, each of these states of concentration has different, different levels to it. I've not experienced, maybe maybe circumstantially at, um, at a few times through mindfulness practice, I've experienced a coming out of a state it was like wow, there was no mindfulness in there, but there was, it was. There wasn't ordinary consciousness either. You know, there was an absorption into experience. That that happened for me through a mindfulness practice, rather than focusing on a particular experience. So, maybe I've experienced something like that kind of depth of absorption, but not through trying it through concentration practice for myself. I. I, I I have not experienced that depth of concentration. I've explored concentration uh, practice with other teachers that don't necessarily teach that depth of absorption. That it can be more like you're—you're you're still aware of other experience, still able to track what's going on. And in my uh, my understanding, that's more what the Buddha teaches in in his teachings, where he talks about jhana, he talks about. States of concentration. He's talking about being able to be aware within the state of concentration. He's talking about being able to notice the factors that are coming together to create that state of concentration. So the yeah, there's more to say about jhana, but that's just the basics. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, Chan. What were those 62 views you were referring to? So this is the, um, the sutta is called the all embracing net of views. Oh, it's, okay. It's the, in the first sutta in the Dighinikaya. And, um, you know, there's a variety of them. <laughs> I can't remember. No, don't, don't tell <laughs> yes, me anything. Yes. I just wanted to know what the term was so I could look it up. And... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It, it's the, they're, they're often called speculative views. And basically, it's, you know, it's it's a view about the world or experience, you know. So it's a set of delusions. It's a set of delusions. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a set of delusions. And it's so interesting. I mean, actually, it's a fun sutta. You know, there's, there's a lot of wild descriptions in there about um, reality. And, you know, uh, it's it's, 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 but it's, it's a, it's a long sutta and, but each one kind of talks about, or many of them talk about, well, this view happened because somebody went into deep meditation and experienced a former life. And in that experience of the former life, they saw this and that. And then as they came out of meditation, they had the view that, well, this is the way it is. This is the way former lives are or or whatever. So it's, it's kind of that kind of thing that that tends to happen in those deep states of concentration, the experience is so compelling. It's so, you know, this is the truth of my experience. And it was the truth of your experience in that moment, but there's a strong tendency with that depth of concentration, that kind of entering into that, um, to, as you come out of it to say, I've discovered truth, truth with a capital T. And the Buddha says, that's dangerous, (laughs) you know, that's that 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 kind of um, will prevent you from um, seeing things that are not that basically.